0: Bless you all so much. We thank God for tonight. And as always, we know that Father is in our midst by His Spirit, intending to continue His glorious work of fashioning us after the likeness of Christ through His Word. Amen and amen. We have said several times that as believers we should never grow tired of the Word of God. Amen, amen. and amen. We should never come to the place where we are fed up with God's word. And, you know, it is only people whose hearts have not really been transformed by, by Christ who, you know, begin to get fed up with the word of God, like the children of Israel, many of them being unbelievers. In the desert, God fed them with manna several times. At a point, they got fed up with the manna. And then they cried. They wanted meat. They cried to God. God rained down quails and they fed till they died. Hallelujah. See, men whose hearts are not truly after Christ, they cannot endure God's word. Their hearts are not after God's word. Hallelujah. After a while, they begin to cry for other things. Amen. amen. Oh, this pastor, he doesn't spice his message up too much. You know, it doesn't spice it at all. Every day, every day doctrine, every day doctrine, every day doctrine. Every day, let's open the Bible, let's read the Bible. You know, tell us something we want to hear. Hallelujah. But that is not you in Christ. Amen. Amen. I said that is not you in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Your heart longs for the truth of God's word. Your heart longs for the revelation of Christ in the scriptures. Hallelujah. That is what your heart longs for. Let me tell you, brethren. As the people of God, when we gather, we gather around two things. There are two things that unite us in the faith. If these two things are not there, there is no need for us to come together. The first is the person of Christ. And the second is the message of Christ. These two things. Without it, there is no church. There's no reason. Anywhere you go, that calls itself the church of the Lord Jesus. Where the uniting point is not the Lord Jesus and his message, which is the gospel, is not a church. You might as well call it whatever you want to call it.
1: Amen and amen.
0: It is not the church of Jesus Christ. Mm. Hallelujah. When we gather, it is because we are people who have put faith in Jesus And seek Him. Hallelujah. We are people who want to understand what God has done in Christ for us. That is the message of the gospel so that we can share it around with others. These two things are what unite us in the faith. It is the reason for our gathering. Amen and amen. The moment the church becomes about any other thing, it has lost its way. Hallelujah. It begins to go down the slippery slope and begins to go into all kinds of error before you realize the doors are open for worldliness to begin to enter into the church because there's a desire to be like things they see in the world. Hallelujah. So the messages of the world begin to come into and seep into the church. Christ Jesus is no longer the focus. The gospel is no longer the focus. Other things become the focus. Hallelujah. Things that appeal to the flesh. Things that appease the flesh. Things that the flesh wants. Things that the flesh desires. Hallelujah. That is what they want. They no longer endure sound doctrine. Amen and amen. What is doctrine? Doctrine is not some esoteric teaching. Doctrine simply means teaching. The teaching of the message of Christ. What God has done in Christ for us. So the Bible says, if any man comes to you without the doctrine of Christ, do not welcome such a man. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Amen and amen. So in the church, we teach the doctrine of Christ. That is the message of Christ. What God has done in Christ for mankind and what that means for us. Hallelujah. And then we carry that message and take it to others also so that they can experience the blessedness that we are enjoying now in Christ. This is the whole point of our gatherings. Amen and amen. Jesus is central to all things that we do. He is exalted in our midst. He is glorified in our midst. Not just by words, but also by deeds. In everything that we do, Christ is exalted and he has preeminence. He is glorified among us. Hallelujah. We yield to his leading and his directions as given to us in the scriptures and by the Spirit. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. That is the reason for our gathering. And As you know, Pastor Sam, I would always keep reminding us so that we don't drift away. I want you to develop um, that insatiable desire for God's truth that would make you endure the Word of God as it comes to you. You will not grow tired of God's Word. Hallelujah. you never grow tired of God's Word. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Don't grow tired of God's Word. Hallelujah. Shadabahayah. We thank God for tonight. We give God praise. As Elder Ben said, today is the first, our first encounter meeting after our glorious retreat that we had uh, just last week. It was a wonderful time. Um, all of you that were present, you can attest to that. Indeed, God visited with us. Hallelujah. As he is with us always. Amen and amen. And it was a great and wonderful time. I am especially thankful to God for all that he did in our midst. Amen and amen. And it is, we have gathered what I call spiritual momentum from the retreat, and we are going to carry on that same spiritual momentum throughout the rest of the year through next year. Amen and amen. So don't relent in your prayers. Don't relent in your study of the word. Don't relent in loving the brethren. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Continue on. Remember we said we are pressing on, pressing on, pressing on toward the mark of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. We are pushing deeper. There are higher heights. There are deeper seas. There are depths in God yet unknown. Hallelujah. There are deeper things, deeper places of fellowship with the Father. Amen and Amen. Uh, There are deeper ways God wants to use you. God wants to demonstrate His glory through your life. Hallelujah. Yes, so we need to continue to press. We do not count ourselves to have attained yet. But one thing we do, forgetting those things that are behind. Mm. The things that we took pride in in the world, the things that we took pride in, the things of the flesh, we put them all aside because they are done to us. And we press deeper in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. By prayer, by word study, by fellowship. Hallelujah. By preaching the gospel, we are pressing deeper, deeper, deeper. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. And God has supplied the grace for us to be able to do so. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. We bless the Lord. Well, tonight, remember, because of the retreat, we... We paused in our study in the book of Romans. I hope you have not forgotten. We are going to continue in our study in the book of Romans, if you so please. We, we paused at Romans chapter number three. The week before the retreat, we dealt with Romans chapter number three, looking at verse one to verse six. Uh, actually, we, I think we, we, we went all the way. Um, let me pick it up here. Romans chapter number three, reading one to eight, we actually dealt with that, and we said that um, just by way of recap, Paul had mentioned that there is no advantage then to the Jew and to you know those who hold on to circumcision because um, everybody is concluded under sin. We are going to continue from verse nine. Going and today, we are going to hope. I'm hoping that we can complete chapter number three. And then we can move on to chapter 4. So look at chapter 9 with me, if you so please. Romans chapter number 3, verse 9. Paul says, What then? Are we better than they? He's speaking of the Gentiles, that is those who have not the knowledge of God. When Paul uses the word we, he's speaking of the Jews because he himself was a Jew. Hallelujah. So it says, what then are we better than they?" Remember in the previous verses, he has said that unto the Jews were committed the oracles of God. And remember, we delve deep into what that means. Hallelujah. Because unto them were given the prophets and the law. Amen and amen. So they had the light of revelation to know God. But that which was given to them, because they did not know the purpose of it, they did not actually come to the knowledge of God. So they rather broke the law instead of following the law by saying to the one to whom the law was pointing to, which is Jesus Christ, and what God would do in him for mankind. Hallelujah. They rather were in unbelief. So Paul says, what then? Are we better than they? No, no, in no wise. For we are proved, Paul had proved in chapter 1, Chapter 2 and then chapter 3 until now, that both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. Hallelujah. The Jew is no better than the Gentile. The moralist is no better than the pagan. Hallelujah. The pagan, the moralist, the Gentile, the Jew, everyone is under sin as we proved in chapter number 2. Amen and amen. The the key thing here is very important. The reason we are studying the book of Romans is Romans reveals the need of mankind for salvation. Sometimes you go preaching the gospel and, you know, people ask you, why do I need to be saved? What have I done that I need to be saved? (laughs) And even sometimes in our own, you know, as we sit down to think about things ourselves and we think about the gospel, these are some of the questions that come to our mind. Why do people need to be saved? Saved from what? Hallelujah. It is that, that they are all under sin. All men are under sin. All under sin. Hallelujah. That is all men are sold unto slavery to sin. And nothing here is showing that sin is our taskmaster. Any man who is not in Christ is still under the power of sin irrespective of how good they think they are. The Bible says, all are under sin. And then Paul goes on from verse 10 to verse 18 and begins to show um, the seriousness of what the fall did to mankind. He begins by saying, as it is written, he's referring to what has been written in in the Old Testament. He says, there is none righteous, no, not one. Hallelujah. There is none righteous. No, not one. That is, there is none. Whether Jew, Gentile, no matter who the person is, there is none who is right before God. No, not one. Now, when God says there is none righteous, indeed there is none righteous. Even Adam in the garden, he was not righteous. He was simply innocent. That is, he did not know good and evil. Hallelujah. But indeed there is none righteous. No, no one. Then he goes and says, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. He's beginning to show the, the human condition after the fall. There is none that seeketh after God. Men by their various kinds of religious seekings may some way somehow show that they are seeking after God, but not God. God is saying there is none that seeketh after him. Hallelujah. Sometimes we think that people are on some earnest quest to find God. They are not truly on any earnest quest to find God. In our generation, there are people who say, you know what, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And I understand that. But especially those who say that, uh, those who belong to the New Age movement, who say they are spiritual, you know, uh, there is God in all of us. There is God in nature. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody is seeking God. No! There is none that seeked God. They are seeking an idol of their own creation. A God of their own imagination. But not Yahweh. Hallelujah. You can't seek Him until He comes seeking you. That's what Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Hallelujah. If man wants to see God, where does he even start from? That is why God had to come down Himself in the person of Christ to reveal Himself to us. Hallelujah. Because man without God is totally helpless. He can't find his way. There is none that seeketh after God. So don't let anybody deceive you to think that, you know, for some reason men are seeking God, people in other religions are seeking God, or, you know, they, 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 I love something people say. The innocent Buddhist somewhere, is, there's none innocent. There is none righteous. Hallelujah. There is none that see. Man has gone his own way. Hallelujah. He's gone his own way. When we make God after our own likeness, we cast things of wood and stone and we begin to worship it. Is it God we are seeking? No. We are seeking things that satisfy our own selves. Hallelujah. There is none that seek. Get after God. Why? Because after the fall, that was the way of man. He says, They are all gone out of the way they are all together become unprofitable. That is a rotten bunch. Hallelujah. Now, when we look at men and look at the beauty on the outside of men and the things they aspire to, even the good deeds they do, and we may think it is beautiful, but apart from Christ, they are all a rotten bunch. Hallelujah. The Bible says that even our righteousness are like filthy rags before God. Mm -hmm. Amen and amen. So don't be deceived. Hallelujah. In the eyes of God, they are all a filthy bunch, a rotten bunch. He says, There is none that doeth good. No, not one. "Ah, So you mean that anybody apart from Christ is not doing good? No, you see, what is the standard of good? They came to Jesus and asked Jesus. He said, Good master. Then Jesus immediately corrected them because he was trying to correct an error in their thinking. By what standard are you calling me good? Jesus was trying to question that. And he said to them, There is none good apart from God. The standard of good is God. And as long as you don't measure up to it, you are no good. Hallelujah. So he says, There is none that do a good. No, not one. He says, Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues, they have, they have used deceit, poison of asses under their lips, whose mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swept to shed blood, destruction and misery in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God in their eyes. You see it. This is the condition of man after the fall. When man went his own way. Hallelujah. It describes the effect of the fall upon man. In the end, whether well, is a conclusive by saying there is no fear of God before their eyes. See, the fear of God is like a bridle that restrains our wickedness. And when there's no fear of God before your eyes, there is no telling what you'll be given to. That is how men are given to all manner and kinds of licentiousness, wickedness, wantonness, and all manner and kinds of evil. Men are given to all manner and kinds of evil and evil imaginations and even inventors of new kinds of evil. Inventors of new ways to manifest their evil, Hallelujah! Because there is no fear of God before their eyes, no fear of God. Listen, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter number eleven, and, and the spirit speaking of a verse that come out of Jesus, speaking of a prophecy concerning Christ Jesus. He says concerning Christ that, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. For those of us who are in Christ, who have received that same Spirit that was upon Christ, this Spirit, the Bible describes him as the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. He is the Spirit of wisdom and knowledge in the spirit of counsel and might, in the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. When you have the Holy Ghost in you, you have the fear of God in your eyes. That is a moral reverence for God that becomes a restraining force in your life, holding you back from evil and wickedness. That is why any man without Christ has a propensity to evil and not only men without Christ men who are in Christ who have not yielded themselves to the the work the spirit of God is doing in their lives and are giving over to the flesh there is no telling what they will do that is why when you read the book of Galatians it tells you what the flesh is hallelujah turn with me Galatians chapter number 5 and see this amen and amen now it says now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, malice, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, envies, heresies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Hallelujah! The works of the flesh. Now, in Christ Jesus, we have the Spirit. And as we, as long as we continue to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and walk after the Spirit, we don't give in to the flesh. So Paul says in Galatians chapter number five and sixteen, "This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh." The secret to not being given in to the lust of the flesh is to walk in the Spirit. When you allow the work of the Holy Spirit. To have preeminence in your life, when you yield yourself to the Spirit of God through His Word, the fear of God will be so strong in you, it will restrain you from evil. It will restrain you from the works of the flesh. But if you do not, even though you are in Christ, it will be as if you are not born again because you'll be giving over to the flesh. And that is how come sometimes we see certain people who are believers and they do certain things and we say, ah, how can somebody say he's a believer? And look at the things he's doing. It is because he has not yielded himself to the spirit yet. Hallelujah. He's not yielded himself to the work of the Holy Ghost. He's given to the flesh. Let me tell you something about it. When you give yourself over to the flesh, there is no telling what you do. You'll be amazed the kind of things that you yourself you are able to do when you give yourself over to the flesh. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Let me read it again. It says, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these: adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Witchcraft is a work of the flesh. Even before demons coming, it is a work of the flesh. Hatred. You know, hatred is like never. According to Christ, he says various emulations, wrath, envyings. You understand? He says sedition, heresies, madness, drunkenness. madness is the works of the flesh. It's not the demon who made you murder. It is your own flesh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Drunkenness, revelings. Sometimes we blame the devil for things that he has not done. It is a work of the flesh. When you allow the flesh the flesh is the fallen nature. It will manifest itself in ways without any restraint. But we that are in Christ who have received the Spirit of the Lord and walk in the Spirit, we have the restraint of the Holy Ghost and we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Bible says that they that have Christ have crucified the flesh with its desires. But you see, men without Christ they are given to these things. They have no restraint. That is how come they can fall into all these things without any restraint. So Paul is simply Paul is simply pointing out, trying to show the depravity of man after the fall, he says there is no fear of God before their eyes. Then he goes on to say, Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, is said to them which are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Is it? The Jews understood that the Gentiles who did not have the law were guilty because they walked on in darkness, they grew on in darkness and lived in all kinds of sin. So they thought because they had the law, which is the light of God, they would be excused. But Paul is saying that we know that whatsoever thing the law saith, it it said to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Hallelujah. Whether you have the law or you don't have the law, whether the Jews had the law, all men were guilty before God. Why? The whole purpose of the law was to show men the sinfulness of their, the state of their sinfulness, the extent to which man has fallen into sin and cry out for a savior. The law was a light that simply reveals the depravity of men. It was not meant to be the Savior of men. And in the law is a revelation of the Savior who was to come. That was the whole purpose of the law. Hallelujah. So the Bible says the law was a schoolmaster that led us to Christ. It points to the man Jesus. Because it is only in Christ that there is justification, redemption, and salvation. Hallelujah. The law was not meant to be the means by which a man would be justified before God. So Romans chapter 3 verse 20, the Bible says, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Amen and amen. Then he goes on to say, but now, hallelujah, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Hallelujah. But now the righteousness of God without the law, what men could not attain to by the law? has been manifested now in Christ Jesus to us, witnessed by the law and the prophets. What does it mean when the Bible says it was witnessed by the law and the prophets? The word witness, there comes from the Greek word matureo. Matureo means to testify, to bear record. Hallelujah. The law and the prophets bore record of the righteousness of God to come in Christ Jesus. They testify. That is why I say to you all the time, when you read the Old Testament, the entire import of the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi is the revelation of what God would do in Christ for man. It was pointing to the Savior to come. It was pointing to a righteousness of God apart from the law yet to be manifest in the person of Christ Jesus. The law was not meant for man. Hallelujah. The law was meant to point men to Jesus, to put their faith and trust in Jesus. Amen and amen. So when you read the Old Testament and you don't yearn for Jesus, you've not read it yet. When you read the Old Testament and you don't look for, you don't expect the Christ, you've not read it yet. That is why when Jesus appeared to Peter, I think yes, it was either I think Peter or so. If I'm not mistaken, I stand to be corrected there. When Jesus appeared to him, he ran to his brother, and he said to him, "Come see the man, the the Messiah whom the prophet and the law had prophesied about. Because as they read the law, they expected him, the Messiah. Hallelujah." Then look at verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. The fall of man was also the coming short of God's glory. What is God's glory? God's glory is Christ. The Bible says that Christ Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. Hallelujah. He's the visible one of the invisible God. Amen and amen. He is the effulgence of God's glory. The glory of God is Christ Jesus. When man sinned in the garden, he fell short of God's glory. That is, he could not be in Christ. The tree of life in the garden was Christ Jesus. He is life. Amen and amen. It's a metaphor for Christ Jesus. Remember, God did not give any command regarding the tree of life. Man could have eaten of the, the fruit of the tree of life, but he did not. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that is what man took and ate. And so he died, amen and amen, and fell short of God's glory. He could not come into the idea, the plan of God right from the beginning was that man would be in Christ. When man chose his own way, he could not by his own way come into Christ. He fell short of the glory. But in Christ, we are reinstated back into the glory. Hallelujah. All those of us who have come into Christ, we share in the glory of Christ. We have been raised to heavenly dignity. Amen and amen. That is what it means to be glorified. To be raised to heavenly dignity. The place which God intended for us right from the beginning. To be in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. He says, Let's pick it up again from verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law. And the prophets, we said, the law and the prophets testified, they foretold, they bore record of the coming righteousness of God to be manifest in Christ Jesus. He says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believed, for there is no difference. This righteousness of the of God is not by obeying the works of the it's not by the works of the law. Or by the deeds of the law He says it is by the faith of Jesus Christ Hallelujah Unto all and upon all who would believe Faith here not meaning that by faith I merit the righteousness of God No, faith here simply means that Faith is the conduit by which we receive At no point in a man's life Does he merit the righteousness of God Not even by faith Faith simply is the means by which we receive the righteousness of God. So the Bible says that, But they which receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. The righteousness of God is received through faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Faith is the conduit by which we receive. Everything concerning our life in Christ is received hallelujah god did all the work in jesus and we simply received amen and amen and faith was the channel through which we received that which god did in christ for us so at no point can a man boast he says it is not of works lest any man should boast boasting is altogether excluded Hallelujah. No man can stand before God and think that by his own righteousness or by his own faith or by his own, uh, what you call it, goodness, he has merited anything that has to do with God. That is why we say, if God did all the work and we simply received by faith, how then do you think that now that you are in Christ Jesus, you would maintain your righteousness by your own works? It is totally impossible. Amen, amen, you are saved by grace, you are maintained in salvation by that same grace, that is why the Bible says unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless and blameless before the presence of his own glory. It is God from the beginning to the end. It is God that saves through Christ. It is God that keeps and preserves us in Christ and presents us blameless and without blemish before his own presence, before his own glory. It is he that presents us. Hallelujah. He's the one doing the work. It is God's work from beginning to end. That is why we tell men that you cannot lose your salvation when you are born again. Hallelujah! You see why we, we say those things? It's not because we just got up one day and decided that, you know what, one thing always say. No, 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 no. We didn't just get up and just say that. It is from the revelation of truth in the scriptures as we are finding out today. Hallelujah. Somebody said, Pastor Sam, what about a scripture that says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Okay, yes, the scripture says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does it say afterwards? It says, for it is God who worketh in you, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Does it say anything about missing heaven? Does it say anything about losing your salvation? No, He says simply work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Hallelujah. And then men have developed doctrines out of that. He says work out. He did not say work for. We don't work for our salvation. Work out meaning... What God is doing in you, bring it forth. That is why he says in the following verse, he says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do. God is doing something in you. Allow it to manifest forth. Yield yourself to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So that that which God is doing you will be manifest for through you. Amen and amen. That is simply what he's talking about. With fear and trembling. That phrase fear and trembling means with sincerity. Why? You know, Paul was talking, was speaking to um, the Galatians. And in in another place he has said to them that, you see, don't only live your Christian life to please me because I am present. You're doing all these things to please me. No. Everything you do in the faith, do with sincerity, not to please men, not with eye service. Now, when you see your pastor around, that is where you do good. When he's not around, you go about doing whatever you do. When your pastor comes around, that is when you pray. When he's not around, you don't pray. Hallelujah. Listen, we count your own salvation with fear and trembling, that faith, fear and trembling simply means with sincerity. Hallelujah. As used in other places in the word amen and amen it has absolutely nothing to do with you losing your salvation in any way how can you lose something that it was not yours i mean it wasn't you who actually worked for it in the first place amen and amen it is freely given hallelujah so he says being justified look at this paul builds his entire discourse around three things justification he built it around propitiation, which we shall see, you know, in in um in in a in a few in a, in a few verses down, and around the righteousness of God. He was being justified how freely by grace, freely. That you see that your justification was free does not mean it was cheap or discounted. Most times when we think of free, we are thinking of something that is cheap or discounted. No, free means that. It was not anything you did that caused God to do what he did for you in Christ. It was all out of his own volition. God chose him and of himself to do what he did in Christ for mankind. That is what he means free. But it cost him a price. Hallelujah. Christ paid the price for us. Hallelujah. So being justified freely by his grace through, re- through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Do you see it? So the, the the thing Paul is building around justification is a legal term. Hallelujah. That is to be declared not guilty and to be declared innocent. <laughs> through God's grace, we in Christ are declared not guilty. We have the free gift of not guilty in Christ. And then it says, through the redemption that is in Christ. Redemption is is an economic term, if I may say. You, You use it in the market. It means to buy back. Hallelujah. As slaves to sin, we were bought back from sin by the sacrifice of Christ. Hallelujah. With the, that's why the Bible says that not with, we, were not, we, we were not purchased with, you know, corruptible things of this life, but with the precious blood of Christ. The price tag on you was the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. He paid the price for our redemption. Amen and amen. Freely given to us. He says, whom God set forth to be a propitiation. Hallelujah. The word propitiation comes from the Greek word hysterion. Telasterion, it, it means an atoning sacrifice. Jesus was the atoning sacrifice for us. It also means the lid of the ark or the mercy seat. You know, the ark of the covenant God asked Moses to build was a representation of his presence in the midst of the children of Israel. Now in the ark, inside the ark were the tablets of Moses. That is the law. The broken tablet of Moses. Also was the rod of Aaron that ballot. The tablets of Moses representing man's inability to obey the law, the sinfulness of man as it relates to his inability to obey the law. The rod of Moses that man that, that uh, the rod of Aaron that ballot representing man's rejection of the leadership of God. And then manna that is representing man's rejection of God's provision. And then above the ark, you see the cherubim, the two cherubim, representing the divinity of of God, looking down upon the things that were in the ark. But in between the two was the mercy seat, where they poured the blood of the atoning sacrifice. Hallelujah. The mercy seat was between the sinfulness of man and the holy eyes of God. So that because of the mercy seat, God cannot see the sinfulness of man anymore. Jesus is our mercy seat. Jesus is our propitiation. He is our atoning sacrifice. That is why he says, in this new covenant, there are sins I will remember no more. There is no record of our sins with God. And it's not there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He doesn't behold our sins. He beholds his righteousness, which is his robe that he has covered us with in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. So look at verse 2. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Hallelujah. Remission of sins means, remission does not mean, you know, okay, It's uh, I I let you go free, I I pardon you for your sin. No. It is pardon and removal of the record of the sin so that it cannot be revisited again. It's almost like, say, somebody commits murder in 1989. The judge who sat there was merciful towards the man. Maybe somebody said, I'll take the place of the man. And because of that, the judge was merciful towards the man and let the man go. Yet there is a record there. Another judge can come in 2005 and say, you know what, let's revisit the records again and put this man in prison, let him pay for the price or pay the penalty for what he had done. But remission means pardoned and removed. The record is no longer there. When men go searching the record, they will find nothing. That is how it is with God and what he has done in Christ for us. There is absolutely no record of your sins. Some people say, you know, people who have not properly studied, they say, you know, on that day, all your sins will be written, God will open the book of all your sins that you committed. How can the gospel be true and God who opened the book of your sins. There is no record of it. Hallelujah. It's all washed away by the blood of Jesus. Amen and amen. What God sees is you righteous in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So this is the gospel amen and amen And it says in verse 26, to declare I say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. You see in this in what God did in Christ for us, God is both just and the justifier. Why? He is just because he punished sin in Christ. And he's the justifier because he's the one who provided the atoning sacrifice for us to go free. Amen and amen. So he's both just and the justifier of him that believes in Jesus. So Paul says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what? By what law or works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Listen, in Christ there is absolute, there is no room for any man to boast. Because by the works of the law, no man is justified before God. Everything is by his shared grace. Hallelujah. Listen, this is why the message of grace is too big for some people to understand. I always say this, our earned by your own effort mentality from the world sometimes skews our understanding of the work of God in Christ for us. We feel as though, no, it is not enough. I must by some means earn something by my own self. No. The works we produce are fruit of our faith and trust in Jesus now. The works of faith we do now, our good deeds now, our givings now, the things we do, they are a result of the faith that we have in Christ now. We recognize how God has demonstrated such grace to us. We can't but live for Him. We don't live for Him in order to earn something back from Him. No, we live for Him as a way to even say thank you. Hallelujah. We live for Him because there is no other way. Our hearts are raptured by what God has done in Christ for us. And we can't but continue on to live the life of faith in good works. Hallelujah. Not so we may obtain favor from him or obtain certain blessings from him. He has already blessed us in Christ with all manner and, spiritual, all manner and kinds of spiritual blessings. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Look at the verse 20. It says, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, Paul says. Verse 30, seeing it is God, it is one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yeah, we establish the law. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that that God justifies men through faith does not make void the law. Rather, it establishes the law. It does not mean that the law is established for us to continue following it. No, the law was a schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. It establishes the law meaning that it authenticates the message of the law. Hallelujah. The law of faith, the faith we have now in Christ authenticates the message of the law. What was the law saying? The law was saying, you are so sinful, you need a savior. And I'm pointing you to the savior to come, who is Jesus Christ. The message of the law was look to Jesus. Have faith in Jesus. The righteousness of God is going to be manifest in Jesus. That was the message of the law and the prophets. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now that we have come to faith, it establishes the law. That is, it authenticates the message of the law. So in handling, that's why I say there are many unlearned men who handle the law of God irresponsibly and sometimes would preach messages that would put believers under the law. The Bible says that I do not frustrate the grace of Christ. Hallelujah. You are falling from grace whoever you are who seeks to be justified by the law. We frustrate God's grace in our own lives when we do that. Amen and amen. As a believer, abide in the grace of Christ. Abide in it. Abide in it. Abide. Listen, that's why I tell you, there is no message apart from God's grace. There is no message. Sometimes people say, You see, all these grace creatures, grace, 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 grace. grace. There are two sides to the coin. God is not only grace, God is also like <laughs> judge. Hallelujah. They always preach grace, 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 and give people license to sin. By the time a man makes that statement, oh, you are preaching grace and giving men license to sin, it is a revelation of his ignorance. It just simply tells you that that man does not understand the grace of Christ. Hallelujah. But what shall we say when we preach God as a matter of truth? You have not preached grace until men actually slander you as giving men license to sin. That is the same thing Paul faced. He said, after Paul had preached the grace of Christ, he says, what then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Then Paul says, certainly not." It is the inevitable question that comes out when you preach God's grace in truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But God's grace is not a license to sin. Hallelujah. God's grace is the power over sin. Amen and amen. Somebody say with me, God's grace is the power over sin. God's grace is the power over sin. Oh, talk to me, say generation. Say with me, God's grace is the power over sin. God God's is grace the is the sin. power over sin. Hallelujah. It is what delivered you from sin. How can it be the thing that will give you license to go back to it? God's grace is what keeps you from sin. God's grace is what delivered you from sin. God's grace is what empowers you over sin. Hallelujah. It is what teaches you to deny ungodliness and say no to worldly lust. It is what teaches you to live a devout life in Christ. That is God's grace. God's grace is not a license to sin. Any man who says that, it is a revelation of his ignorance. He doesn't know God's grace. So they will say, you know what? You must preach a balanced message. What do they mean by balanced message? Mix grace with the law. You see, because to them, the word balance is a good word. That means, you know, properly positioned. So balance because balance is good, you must you people all these people hyper they call it hyper grace preachers. You understand? So they must balance it. And how do they balance it? They balance grace with the law. And they start telling you things to put you back under the law. So you see Christians who don't believe in their eternal security in Christ Jesus. They don't believe in what God has done in Christ for them. They feel like they must continue to work to end God's favor, end God's this, end God's that. They feel like they will miss heaven. They are not going to heaven because of this. Listen, (laughs) you are falling back into the law. You're falling from grace if you do that. You're falling from grace. Hallelujah. By the deeds of the Lord shall man. The work of salvation altogether is the work of God. Man is absolutely helpless. All man does is to receive by faith. And like we said, faith is not a merit for God's righteousness. It is simply a conduit through which we receive the work God has done in Christ for us. It is altogether the work of God. Hallelujah. All together the work of God. Let the believer understand this. Faith generation. You see, why are we teaching this? So that you may know what God has done in Christ for you. And you can teach it to others. You can understand why men need the message of the gospel. So you will preach it with conviction. Amen and amen. So you are not thinking that, you know, men are inherently good. No, men are not inherently good. You think men are seeking God? No, they are not seeking God. Hallelujah. Don't be deceived by the world. They are not. They've all gone their own ways. They are not seeking God. They are seeking the God of their own imagination. There are many people chasing after the God of their own imagination. A God that is comfortable with their sin. There are men who have created God after their own likeness. A God that makes them feel comfortable with their own shortcomings and sins and problems and all that. You understand? They've created a god after their own kind, their own likeness. Hallelujah! That is not Yahweh. Yahweh has revealed Himself in Christ Jesus to us, and we will do well to find who He is in the Scriptures, as we are seeing today. Hallelujah! It is God's grace. That's what the Bible says: that all things may be to the praise of the glory of His grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A day should not pass by that you don't thank God for His grace. Amen and amen. A grace addition, and you know, let me say this to you, it's not as if, you know, your effort gets to this level, and then God's grace comes in to make up for the rest that your effort cannot do. No, 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 no. God's grace does not come to add up to your effort. Your effort is absolutely not needed because it is helpless. Your effort can't achieve anything as it pertains to salvation and the life in Christ. Your effort can't attain to anything. They are dead works. Hallelujah. God's grace is the totality of everything God has done in Christ for us. And we simply receive. Amen and amen. Shadabahatele telebesayas. Lift up your voice and begin to thank God for His grace. Lift up your voice, begin to thank God for His grace. Lift, I want to hear you. Lift up your voice, begin to. Father, we thank you for your grace. Tonight we thank you for your grace. Oh, Billy, that Paliba, we um, are we undeserving. You are us that we you. in that the and the was 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 thank you Father. Yes, Lord, babalia, you in your Adalia you for your grace. Thank you for yes. your grace. In the name of Jesus. You God God. Amen, Jesus. Yes, Lord thank amen, you. And amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, and let me correct this grace in people. A lot of people also think that God's grace is a license to be lazy. How do you think that way? Do you think God's grace makes people Spiritually lazy, you know, because God's grace is there, you know, I you trying to say believers should just sit down and not do anything for themselves? No. No, a thousand times no. What did we say? God's grace is God's power at work in you. It is what supplies you the strength to do any work now in Christ. Paul says, wherefore I also labor Striving according to his working, which he worked mightily in me. What is that working that was working mightily in Paul? It was God's grace. Hallelujah. God's grace is that by which we are even able to work. That's what God said to Paul My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Say, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. God's grace is God's strength in us. We work, we labor, we strive by God's strength. Hallelujah. Because In and of our own selves, we cannot. The man who has understood the power of God's grace is a man who lives in Christ Jesus. Not for gaining and obtaining certain things from God, but it is because he's working out his salvation. What God is doing in him is allowing it to show forth. God's grace will not make you spiritually lazy. It will, it will make you a spiritual laborer. Hallelujah. You will labor joyfully, lovingly for Christ. Amen and amen. That is the, we need to correct men's thinking about God's grace. It is because, because grace has been wrongly taught. Men think of it, they, they, they see God's grace so lightly. They think of God's grace so lightly. Hallelujah. But I want to reintroduce you to the grace of God. For one, grace is a person, his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, when you understand God's grace, you be learning like Christ. Always about your Father's business. Amen and amen. 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 Always about your Father's business. When grace is manifest through you, Christ is manifest through you. Hallelujah. The word became flesh and tabernacle among us. We beheld this glory, the glorious of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, which is the truth. Full of grace, Jesus. I pray may you be full of grace. Hallelujah. May Amen. you be full of grace, faith generation. May you may you lack no grace. May you be full of grace in Jesus' name.